So what's on the agenda today? What what do we got? What are we drinking? The agenda? Yeah, the the, the, the well, beer agenda. Oh, uh, I actually have a blue moon, so that's what I'm no rocking. Orange? I no thought you were talking sets. about the agenda. I was like, well, the agenda is I just mowed the yard and made dinner and <laughs> went to work and just had like a crazy. It's been a it's been a wild week. I feel like things are kind of getting back to normal in the world a little bit. I mean, I say normal, but I think we all know it's. It's not truly normal, but no, it feels I, less uh, feels less chaotic. I'll say. Yeah, I think this is. I don't think we're ever going back to w- how things were anytime soon, like pre March of this year. I think it'll be like a year or two at least before we're like. I'm not saying we're gonna be. I think we're gonna be locked down that long, but I think like to where it's completely back to the way things were. I think it'll be a little bit. It's going to be a minute. I think that uh, it's kind of funny. I was actually having this conversation. This has nothing to do with like our podcast at all, but uh, just talking about the adaptation of like face masks and like hygiene and stuff. And not to get political at all, because that's <laughs> not what this is about. But I think it's just been very, very eye opening for uh, like maybe how poor some people's hygiene habits were. <laughs> I guess yeah, I'll that's say. fair. I'll just leave it that's, at that. that's a fair observation. Uh, I'm not going to dispute it. But that may be one silver lining to bring out all this. Like, everybody's going to be way cleaner. Yeah. So is WGI happening this year? What do you think? Like it normally does? Absolutely not. No. I don't think there's a chance. No. That's just my gut gut feeling um, for a couple reasons. And Well, I'll I'll get into that in a second. We'll talk about that with our guest because he may want to weigh in on that stuff okay, too. That's even fair, though that's fair. So, he lives in a different part of country, so he may have a different peg on like how things are there versus they are here. So fair, we, can, uh, we can get into that. So let's get into it then. Welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and with me as always is... Evan Worrell. And make sure, as always again, click subscribe for the YouTube channel, like the video, drop a comment if you want. Um, share it with your friends, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, follow on Facebook and Instagram, all of it's just Aged Out Podcast. To never miss an update on anything, hit us up on patreon.com slash agedoutpodcast for any financial support you want to give us. And without further ado, let's welcome today's guest. You want to take it away, Evan? Well, I mean, maybe you should introduce him. I mean, you spent like an entire summer with him, right? <laughs> Fair. I've, I'll, I'll, I'll do uh, it. I added him on Facebook literally maybe five hours ago. Right. So uh, I was just trying to be consistent. You may have a better introduction. Just, consistent. <laughs> just being consistent here. All right. Today's guest <laughs> is someone that I had the pleasure, as Evan said, of spending an entire drum corps season with. And he was probably one of the chillest, coolest guys in that drum line. So uh, today's guest is Daniel Recoder. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going. It's going. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on your podcast. Thanks Certainly, for joining man. us. Joining us. It looks bright in your room. Like it's nice and sunny out there. It it is sunny. It's also four p.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Daniel's joining us from uh, California. Uh, exact location we'll get into here in a second, I'm sure. Uh, but we've had a a nice string of West Coast here pretty pretty recently for the most part but uh i dig it through the beautiful powers of technology able to to hit up folks all the way across the three time zones so that's sweet yeah Mm -hmm. that is pretty great so thankfully though through the the summer season it's actually still sunny here so we get to enjoy the daylight for a couple more hours on the eastern time zone but yeah man we're uh so where are you joining us from exactly 
I'm coming from Union City, California, which is in the Bay Area. Is that that's SoCal? Uh, it's the Bay Area. It's kind of like near San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, not dude, super... Don't you watch Golden State Warriors games, bro? Oh, my God. Yes. Of course. Now they're in <laughs> I don't Oakland. know my California geography. There's like seven <laughs> different names for all the different areas. Do they still get to say they're in the Bay? Is Oakland in the oh. Bay? I'm not familiar with that yeah. geography. Oh, yeah. Right. There it is. <laughs> Boom. Warriors. Blew a 3-1 lead. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Uh, uh, all right. So, Daniel, man, uh, I guess uh, you have a unique story, which we'll get into, but I guess just kind of take us through what we typically do with any of our guests, like kind of your introduction into music, how you got into music, maybe if it started with like concert band, fifth grade, sixth grade, whatever that was, and then kind of just your, your evolution through the activity. All right. Well, my first musical experience happened in fourth grade playing the recorder and <laughs> i got teased so much in that class because <laughs> my last name's recorder playing the recorder i was like i'm not doing this oh, kids <laughs> are so smart kids are so right? smart <laughs> and ruthless <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then uh in fifth grade i played the trumpet in elementary school that was that was cool but like that trumpet and the case was like half my body weight so I didn't really like that part. Um, sixth grade, did not want to do band. My mom, my dad, they said, you have to do it for one year. I cried. The tears did nothing. <laughs> so they signed me up and I chose percussion. And, you know, as I got into it, I just kind of had a knack for it. I was able to pick it up relatively easy. And it made me feel like I was good at something. And so when you're that young... Sorry, but I was going to say, why did your parents, like, uh, were they so persistent for you to join band? Had they been in band, or? Yeah, they both were in band in, like, middle school. Okay. Middle school. They just said, you got to do one year, that's it. If you don't like it, you can stop. And here I am, still doing it. The rest <laughs> is history. So, yeah, uh-huh. obviously, after that one year, decided that maybe this isn't so bad. Um, was you did you have like a primary focus? I guess California is maybe a little bit different in my mind as far as like middle school goes because they have some different offerings. So middle school was that primarily just like a concert band setting? Uh, did the middle school you attend have like sort of lead-ins to marching band or marching percussion or marching activity at all? Mm. Yeah, so it was concert band when I started, and then my eighth grade year. We had a local BD alumni come in to just introduce the marching exercises like stick control, blow in my mind, tap pyramid, <laughs> what? Um, and then um, Vince Oliver started a middle school percussion ensemble. So I actually played quads for the first time in eighth grade. Pee Wee Herman. It was a Pee Wee Herman show. I still remember the music. Dude, <laughs> Herman, classic. Uh-huh. And then uh, I I really enjoyed it. You know, carrying them, it hurt my back. But I was like, this is fun. Like, I can do a crossover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine as a middle schooler. I was, I mean, I was tiny, absolutely tiny. And you could, I think from reading through your bio, you probably can relate. But I 
don't see myself as an eighth grader even being able to function with quads. Uh, I was probably so clumsy as it is. I mean, I played sports, but like the whole feet with the bead play, stand up straight, like probably yeah. would not have been in the cards for me at that time. <laughs> yeah, it was tough and it was overwhelming at times. But, you know, my parents were always just like, stick it through, just finish the year. If you don't want to do it after, you don't have to. <laughs> that is what I will call phenomenal phenomenal parenting. Uh, stick through it. Don't quit. Don't. Uh, I think kids these days too. I try to preach that as much as I can. Like, just just give it some time. Everything everything sucks at first because you're not yeah. great at it. Yep. And there's always a direct correlation between how good you are at something and how much you enjoy it. The better you get at something, obviously, the more you're going to enjoy it. Um, yep. But you're never good at it at first, <laughs> so you're <laughs> probably not going to enjoy it as much at first like there's probably some level of enjoyment like yeah this is new it's cool like i'm doing something i've never done but i mean you're just probably not that great at it. yeah you got to start somewhere you got to start somewhere and learn the process what drew you to play quads because i mean obviously they're not the lightest instrument what was it that you were like i want to play those yeah well the first day of this percussion ensemble, no one wanted to play quads, and I didn't want to raise my hand be the only guy playing quads. So I actually went to the front ensemble, and then the net, that whole week, I was just like, dang, you know what? I should have just played them. I should have played them. So then the next week, they asked again, does anyone want to try quads? Raised my hand up super high, along with like three other people. And yeah, they just, they looked big. <laughs> they looked big and, ex- <laughs> and, ex- and exciting. They looked exciting. Hopefully, they didn't have the deep shell version for yeah. uh, for you guys. No, they were they were relatively light <laughs> for quads. Still heavy for an eighth grader, but for sure. Oh, no doubt. Um, so you end up, I guess, getting hooked in quads. Um, maybe not solely, but for the time being. You transition, you're in eighth grade, and then I'm assuming like normal, or at least what I'm accustomed to, ninth grade starts your high school career, correct? Yeah. And you go to James Logan High School. Yep. And were you immediately kind of transitioned into that same role, like playing quads at high school, or did you have to like kind of take a backseat to maybe people who had some more seniority? Walk us through that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, they needed three quad players. And there were two vets and me. So your boy got a spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it was it was a lot of playing catch up all the time. All the time that first year. Just because like, you don't understand double strokes. Everyone's telling me to use my back fingers. I'm like, what? <laughs> How? I don't even think I'm using my front fingers. What do you mean my back fingers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are telling me my feet are out of time. And I'm like... What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Out of time from what? Uh-huh. But I do Did... remember the day it clicked. I was playing... The piece was called Ghost Dance, and my, and it started with just quarter notes on the rim for like 16 bars, just quarter notes. And then my quad instructor, Rudy Garcia, was like... Rudy! Just... Yeah, he's like, just put your feet in time with every rim click. And I did that, and I looked at him, and I was like, oh my god, this makes sense! <laughs> Makes sense. I what feel like profound the feet, advice. Yeah, I feel like the feet being in time is more, more often than not just like 
a light bulb moment. It was for me, I know for sure. I played bass drum my freshman year of high school, and man, my feet were a train wreck until about a couple weeks into the season after band camp, and like a light bulb just went off, and I was like, oh, I put my feet, oh, and then I play the rhythms to that. Gotcha. And then it was never a problem after that. Definitely a light bulb moment. I will never say mine was never a problem. Uh, Like I got, I had a light bulb moment too, but then I feel like I was also humbled several times throughout my career when I was introduced to new concepts like grids and things like that. Like, oh, you got to keep your feet with the downbeat, but move the accents. I was like, wait, what? But I'm sure we'll (laughs) probably talk about that some too later. Um, So Rudy Garcia, I don't know Rudy personally, but I know some people that have been taught by him and just love him. Oh, yeah, he's Uh, great. Midnight. Well, he was like late '90s, early 2000s. BD quad player, right? Something like that. Yeah, I think it was '97 to 2001. And he is—he's so good at making rehearsal fun and engaging. Like that is his skill. Expert mode. He can make it fun, (laughs) exciting. You know, no one. It's just always enjoyable. Still getting it done, though. Yes, still getting it done. My friend Dean followed him from Crown to BD. That was pretty much why, because he, he taught Crown in 08. And then Dean was like, I'm going to follow Rudy to BD. And I was like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so quads, get in there. Obviously, learning curve, couple vets, rookie. But probably, maybe, an awesome way to just very easily realize where you were at, because they probably had more skill set instead of like all three people trying to figure it out at the same time. Probably had something to stack yourself up against and be like, kind of use as a a checking point or see where the bar was at. Um, yeah. And obviously, always. Change Logan's a pretty historic program. Yep. Always got to keep working. I remember one time I brought my show music to a baseball game that my dad took me to. I was just like, I have, <laughs> I have to learn this. I can't watch this <laughs> I, baseball game. I can't slack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finger drumming in the stands. Oh, yeah. Man. That's dedication right there. I, Take do notes, what you kids. You got to do, man. <laughs> I love that. Were they uh, were they participating in WGI at the time when you were there? Um, my so they had went to Dayton the year before I got there, and then the four years I was there did not go to Dayton, and then like the next four years after me went every year. Oh, so <laughs> I, it wasn't meant for me to go in high school, and it's okay because I went later on teaching. Did they do the SCPA circuit? Uh, no, they did, uh, what circuits was there? Now there's like a a Northern California percussion Alliance circuit and CPA that wasn't around when I was in high school with CCGC (laughs) California California color guard circuit. Okay. I just guessed, but (laughs) that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I know that at least from what I've been told that SCPA Obviously, it was not always the juggernaut that it is now, and the people, which kudos to them, like really injected a lot of time and effort into just like making that a premier circuit that it is today. But so mm-hmm. good for whoever helped ride that train out. But so you did get the indoor experience, just didn't get to travel. Yeah, so, I didn't. Sorry, you didn't get the snow and the cold of Dayton. That must have been real rough. <laughs> you know, honestly, in high school, that was like all i wanted because i would always watch videos that's like when youtube came out youtube was a thing when i when i was in high school so i got to watch these groups from like 2006 
2005, like Center Grove. Oh yeah, watching them like wow, that like I want to go see this. I want to go compete with these people, but I didn't get to. Okay. Of course, you had like RCC in your back, kind of. Well, I won't say backyard, but over there yeah. in that area. Oh uh, six, doing that Missy Elliott show. I don't remember the name of it. I just remember that they played Missy Elliott um, <laughs> with the white gloves. Uh, yeah, five. Mm-hmm. They did the Manifest Destiny show, which yeah, maybe arguably shouldn't have won, but that's all right. Here, there, there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the California percussion scene has always been the like Blue Devils RCC connection, pretty pretty trendy. Uh, and then so through high school. You're going to play quads. Kind of, I guess, take us a little bit through, like, people who are, like, impacted you, who kind of, like, introduced you, I guess, to that next level of, like, independent WGI or DCI, I guess at the time would have maybe been Div 2 or Div 1, whatever it was called. Um, some mm-hmm. of the people that instructed you and really just kind of, like, helped you get to the next level, man. Yeah. Well, Ryan Odello was the percussion caption head for Blue Devils B Corps for many years and he was also the base tech at james logan high school and so he had been like trying to plant the seed in my head throughout high school but every year i was like no like i want to eat hot cheetos and play video games all summer (laughs) that's what i want to do in true 15 year old form yeah exactly and um then after my senior year you know i graduated went to college and then that's when I decided, all right, I'm going to give this thing a try. And um, I w- was definitely influenced by Ryan, Vince Oliver, Roger Carter, and Rudy. Like, they all supported it. They all supported the mission. And they all had a way of keeping me on my toes. You know, like, it didn't ever really feel comfortable. It wasn't like, oh, piece of cake, I got this. It's like... There's always something that you need to get better at is what it felt like. Hey, that's good. Yeah. Challenge. Don't stay in the comfort. Don't get out of your box. Exactly. Get out of your box. And like in high school, I just want to chill, but I'm constantly getting pushed outside of the box, which is healthy looking back on it. For sure. For sure. So don't the Adelos like, didn't they have like, I feel like 10 people who marched BD or there something like that. <laughs> oh Yeah. I every was like, oh, Odell. I'm like, how many of these people are there? Like, I've been in BD for like a century. I'm pretty sure. Very... Didn't the parents march BD, and then they had like four sons that were all like, one was a snare drummer, one was a bass drummer. I know. Was it three sons? Do you know? There's four of them. There's <laughs> four of them, and they're all really good at drums. <laughs> I like mean, I guess, yeah, as Garrett said, at that point, it's just like, you, you got to do it. Like, yeah. yo, he did it. So, like, we're just going <laughs> to show you the way. Yeah. It may be by the time, like, the youngest gets there, it's like, all right, I've seen the path. I've seen the, what it takes. I, I, I can fit into the mold now. So, yeah. So, you got all these people. I guess, were they encouraging you to go mar- or audition for the uh, Blue Devils organization as just like, go to BD, or did you go for a certain. Uh, I know they have like their family of cores, ABC, uh-huh. or did you have a goal or what was your kind of introduction to auditioning for drum corps? Well, I went to B Corps. Um, there were a couple of my friends from high school that also did it with me. 
it was like, oh, you do it? Okay, I'll do it with you. And uh, that's how we ended up there. And the goal when I started was to just survive the summer. What year was that? Just, that was 2009. That's 2009. And it was, it was different. Like being in a drum corps versus being in high school. And just the expectations are different. And the physical demand was so much more challenging than <laughs> drum corps. It got my butt. I got my butt kicked, man. Yeah, I remember your, your story of your first summer was something that still like always stu- stuck out to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so you know sometimes you're marching, you get a blister on your toe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that happened, and that's going to make this story worse later. But we were repping, repping the closer, and it was one of those days where they're just like, all right, set it back up at the top, set your drums down, run a lap, don't be last. If you're last, you got to do another one. So I'm here running on like a pop blister toe, and then I'm, I'm not last, I'm like second to last, <laughs> and get in, do a rep, and they're like, all right, set your drums down, take a lap, don't be last, so you do another one. They did that like three or four times. Oh my gosh. And like that was probably the first instance in my life where I was telling my body to move my legs and my legs were operating like 20 beats slower than my <laughs> mind was, was telling them to do it. Like actually not being able to physically keep up. Like despite 100% efforts. And that was shocking. That was shocking to my system. And then right after that, like, everyone is just silent. <laughs> All the members are silent. And we go to lunch. And I remember just sitting at the lunch table, looking out into the hills at Mars, like, what on earth am I doing here? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why am I here? So BDB <laughs> rehearses at Mars, too? Yeah, there's actually two Mars fields. Mm. There's Mars Mars 2, Mars 1, and then the A-Corps typically leaves on tour like mid to end of June, and then once they leave, B-Corps uses both fields. Okay. Nice. That makes sense. I just so that about sounds it, like one of those lunch breaks. That sounds like one of those lunch breaks where you're just contemplating life like, am I going to be able to survive this? What did I get myself into? Yes. Yes. Should I go home? Should I throw in the towel? Uh, uh, yes, um, but I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, because your it. parents from an early age said you can't quit. <laughs> yeah, they're like, just finish but the I think, year. I think I had one of those moments, too, my first summer where I was just like, this is a lot harder than I thought. Um, but then it's kind of like, weightlifting or training or something you kind of just like get a breakthrough at some point and you just hit this euphoric state and you're just like all right i can do this um so that was your first year and we let's we'll talk a lot we'll probably backtrack through some of these stories and like your own personal journey and how it impacted you like we'll get through the i guess you're just like kind of career and then we'll we'll take like a detour backwards if that if that works um so you end up staying at bdb for 2009 10 and 11 correct correct where you went back to back to back championships. Well, right, what? that happened. <laughs> that uh, happened. And also back to back to back open class drum trophies, correct? That did happen. Daniel just decorated in gold over here. <laughs> drip, drip. 
the <laughs> Sanford <laughs> Juniors. I felt like the people on the line just they wanted to be the best that we could possibly be. And like well, that's when you what have you want. <laughs> exactly. When you when you have a group of people that genuinely want to excel and just be excellent at something, it's powerful. Yeah, I mean that's I mean I guess that's why you go participate in this activity, something like that. You're jonesing for, for something of that capacity or that caliber. You're just looking for these people like other like minded people that want to do this activity. Like, yeah, we're we're in, man. Like let's just Let's all go in on the same train, full steam, and just just see where it gets us. Mm-hmm. Um, so after 2011, I guess you have a decision. Like, what do you what do you do next? Like, you go back? Do you go here? Do you go there? What's what's your thought process as far as like your next summer for 2012? Well, I've been following the blue coats since like 2000. Nine was the first time I saw them live. They came to the West Coast that year. And so I saw them at Stanford. And they just had a high level of excellence and humor <laughs> with what they were doing. <laughs> That's a weird They certainly had a lot of humor that year. Yeah. Right? And I really connected with that. And 2012 comes around. And I went and auditioned there. I'm sure Roger being there didn't hurt. That yeah. Also, that was also the first year he went out there, and that got know, me hyped. I was, did you know that was yes. happening before you made the decision? Um, can't remember, but I just remember being in music theory class and finding <laughs> out that news, <laughs> being hyped, being hyped. Plus, Jeremy Somers and Amador Padilla were teaching the quad line over there. Also, got me super excited. Dude, those, yeah, those two I, that summer were probably two of my favorite people. Like, I liked that entire staff. Like, there weren't wasn't a staff member that I was, like, didn't get along with. But those two were just really chill, really good at what uh-huh. they did. Like, just awesome yep. dudes. Absolutely. They also made the experience enjoyable. Yeah, I don't doubt uh, it. Where did, did Jeremy, was he at La, La Quinta High School? Or he mm-hmm. taught there? I think, you're, I think so. I've just heard... I've heard like just incredible things about that dude as an educator and member and teacher and just the impact that he's had on the organizations that he's been a member of and taught like through uh-huh. RCC and stuff. But oh yeah, uh, heard like a story that Sean Vega like cried when he aged out of RCC or something like that. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know I anything about it. that, so somebody somebody can validate that or not. Yeah, but. <laughs> So yeah, you decided was was Bluecoats having California camps at that time like they do now? Yeah, there was a Southern California camp. That makes it that easy I went or to. much more convenient obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so I mean it makes sense. Camp. Jeremy and Amador were from SoCal, Roger, Eric Shriver were in SoCal. Oh, and, heck yeah. and Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson's from and, out there. Yeah, and Mike Jackson lived in SoCal. Mhm. Was that Mike's first year too, Jackson? Uh, no, not his think, first year. I think oh nine. No, was Jackson's he, first he year? He was there in eleven. Maybe he was there in twelve too. Wasn't it oh nine? I, mean. I think it was nine. He was got there nine? when Shriver got there in oh nine. I believe it. Uh, we'll roll with it. Somebody, somebody, well, fact yeah. check us in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> they had the whole squad up. Yeah. So yeah, West Coast squad. 
So yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense for a lot of groups, in my opinion, if you're just trying to reach talent in more pockets of the country, but that's neither here nor there. So yeah, you go to the first camp. Was that December, Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was December. Right on. December, so then, December. obviously, you get the call back. Do you have to go to Ohio at that point? I did have to go to Ohio, and I remember being super tight on finances, feeling oh. like I, I can't. I can't afford this plane ticket <laughs> to go out there. <laughs> and then I had a friend randomly shoot me a message saying, if you try checking two one-way flights rather than a round-trip flight. And I did. And I was like, oh, my God. It's so much, <laughs> this works? So much cheaper. Yeah, I can do Life this. Packs. Yeah, and I flew out, and I was nervous because it's like I'd never flown out to go audition for something. That's a big leap. But, yeah, but I felt like I was prepared, and I knew like if I'm gonna pay for this plane ticket and wipe out my bank account, I damn right better get to the spot. Yeah. <laughs> was that so in you... January? Yeah, that was in January. Did you get contracted at that camp? I did at the same time as Taha. That's right, because we I think they fully set the line in january that year i think it was fully set like there weren't any question marks that's rare i know well i won't say rare but not super common i know the snare line was definitely set at the end of the january camp and i th- believe the baseline was too but i don't so know because uh, ruel was you... super young right he was so like i don't know if they waited till february i i don't remember so it was you, Anya, Ruel, and then another dude from the West Coast too, right? No, Joe, Joe Fow. Fow from Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All he right, was a I'm vet, right? Now. He marched in 11, didn't he? Yeah, he was a vet. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, Joe's, Joe's a funny guy. He's a good guy. But he was that, that quad line was such like a hodgepodge of different guys. Like all it four really of them was. were so different was people. Like, it was like California, Minnesota, Atlanta, and Connecticut. It's <laughs> all over. <laughs> Dude, you got to hit the four corners here. Yeah. Exactly. North, south, it was, east, west. It was cool, though. It's like I felt, I felt like everyone in that quad line had so much skill to offer. And, you know, we all, every single one of us had our diva moments throughout the summer, but we always moved past it. <laughs> and you know we got we got back together yeah it's funny you say that because i was about to say that like i never noticed you guys ever not getting along amazingly but maybe you got <laughs> maybe it just happened in subs and you guys worked it out by the end of subs i don't know uh-huh. well now having done this i've met three out of the four of you i have not met or talked to joe ever but anye i know uh we've done a podcast with him uh ruel i've met and just one of the, even though I only met him and talked to him very short moments, just super funny, charismatic, zest for life, dude. Just, I don't know, just has such a funny oh, yeah. vibe about him. Oh, um, yeah. Dude's a performer. That's what, the best way to put performer. it. He's a performer. <laughs> I would imagine, I don't know this for sure, but just a lot of the vocals I just see, like, that was probably inspired by him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, man, that, that show has so uh, many vocals. There were so many visuals and vocals <laughs> throughout that whole thing that, like, it's just ridiculous. It was, and it just kind of acquired throughout the course of the season. 
Yeah, it's just we'd show up to a we block and do. like, oh, the quads that had a two-hour sub sectional, and then all of a sudden there's new vocals randomly. <laughs> like, uh-huh. and this is like two weeks before finals. They're just like throwing this stuff in there for fun. I think that's the stuff that makes like the summers fun, though. You can go go back and look at it and be like, I remember when we did that, or like you see a part of the show where you're like, oh yeah, that part that was always just such a pain in the butt or whatever. <laughs> your all's your all's drill in 12 was pretty hard or was it hard? Uh, the only part that was hard was letter G to the end of ritual. Okay. Right after, right. The, right after the percussion feature, <laughs> you know, we're just like hauling. Oh yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. That was like the only really challenging part. I mean, the rest of it was moderately challenging. Okay. I was going to say, Mike, you've talked about, and I've watched that show many times and i'm like yeah this is not hard drill okay it's good okay i had a reason i had a reason to ask is because i remember i know the snare lines drill was a cakewalk except for the section of the show that he just mentioned but i'm pretty sure i just remember throughout the summer like the quads are like how do we have the heaviest drums and we have the hardest drill in the battery and the snares are over there just like moseying around the field half the time you know, I feel like that's a thing everywhere with every quad line. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just the thing. Probably because the it's got to have something to do with visual form. Snares are in the middle of the battery usually, and like I was rotations. Say, and... Snares are typically in the middle of the the battery formation. So yeah, the princesses. Hey, you <laughs> yeah, chose the wrong sure. instrument, Divas. dude. Wrong dude, and being in the middle of the snare line of the middle of the form is also much easier i'll say that um <laughs> although at crown we still did run a heck of a lot it was just like linear moves for the whole battery but sometimes i was like yeah y'all can run i'm just gonna chill here so <laughs> <laughs> uh, like reset i'm like i'm already on my dot yeah, <laughs> we're doing a pinwheel nice. around me <laughs> uh so that summer was tons of fun i spent it with you you spent it with me quads were amazing i would argue the quads are probably the best section of that battery well i'd have to agree with you on that one (laughs) (laughs) i feel like every section was really good that year no yeah the bar is really high like saying that one of those three sections was the worst is like all right but i I think you four were exceptional like above above the bases and the snares you guys were incredible oh thank you Dude, one of my favorite lot videos is to go back and watch that 2012 uh, doing the ritual movement. Uh, uh-huh. It's the quad break in the front where they're doing. You guys are doing the single crossovers like and like even Tom like do you guys starts laughing. Everybody's just like yeah, dude. He's just like laughing. It's a nasty quad feature. It's a nasty quad feature. That part wasn't in there all summer, and so like there are lot videos like at Rockford where. It's not there. <laughs> and you're just watching watching a run of Ritual, and it sounds like it's missing something. I need to go back and watch that. I don't remember that not being there the whole time. There's, oh, a, yeah, there's a Rockford um, lot video, isn't there? Yeah. I need to go find yeah. that because I'm curious now. Yeah. I remember Jeremy Somers was writing it. I remember seeing it on Sibelius on his laptop. <laughs> but we all kind of like work together to shape it to what it is. We all work together to make it happen. That makes sense. It's it felt very 
RCC 09-ish, like how they ended that like that epic quad feature with all those like mm-hmm. single crossovers with the epic drum three. Was it drum three? I think it was drum three break. Yeah. He played on that broken drum three. But yeah. so 2012 is probably one of the more like if you had the breakdown like Blue Coat's lineage just going through the years up there in, in top drum lines, I would say, especially from a clarity standpoint and a balance standpoint, looking back on it. So you have just like this killer summer with the blue coats. Um, and I guess we'll take the time here and we may hop around, but to kind of backtrack backwards diving to like 2009 and like your experience of what you were talking about earlier being it just like this physical toll that you were like, I did not anticipate or have in my brain that this was what it's going to be like and how that impacted you um, as a person and just as a performer and a musician and all facets of life, I guess, because you have a unique uh, experience with that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Drum Corps was always very tough for me. Always. There was never a day where like I was not, hurting somewhere it's like i would go home from rehearsal shower go to bed sore and hurting wake up sore and hurting (laughs) go back to rehearsal and so like pain and suffering kind of just became what drum corps was to me but it's like you're going through this pain you're suffering but you're also like striving for excellence with what you're doing and, you know, the first year, I didn't know how to connect with it. The second year, I hyped it. I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is going to be hard. Let's do it. We're going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run again at lunch. <laughs> and then I'm, and then I'm going to do with my quads on. And <laughs> eventually I learned, like, if, you, if you're afraid of the physical challenge, it's so much harder than if you just, like, face it head on and embrace it. Makes it so much more enjoyable. I think that makes sense too, just from like a psychological standpoint. You're talking about just kind of like gritting your teeth and like, all right, we're just gonna we're gonna bear through the storm, and then we're gonna come out on the other side, and we're gonna the storm will be over, and we'll be in like the oasis or the paradise land. And obviously, too, that challenge did not defer you. You marched four years of it. So it's not like a, yeah, you know, I'm not going back to doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I do remember um, getting to Blue Coats feeling like I was strong enough. It was like the first time I experienced something where it's like I knew what my body knew what to expect. And I felt like I could do it. And so that was very exciting for me. And like every rep in my mind was like, this is a rep to get stronger. I'm literally getting stronger by doing this repetition. And if I had to miss a rep for something, like one time my harness broke and I remember I had to fix it and the battery was repping stuff on the field. And I was like frantically in the truck trying to get it together as fast as possible because my mind was telling me you are missing out on reps to get stronger right now. So it became what I love. I don't want to say I loved it the most from Drum Corps, but it was a very meaningful part of the experience for me. I think that's awesome just because I think that 
obviously the thing that we probably hype and talk about the most is like the drumming, the beats, the clarity, this, that, like, oh, did you hear what they were doing? Did you see what they were doing? But the physicality aspect of it is tandem. I mean, it's it's hand in hand. I remember several instances of just days where I was sore in like <laughs> at first in my first summer I had taken a pet egg to like kind of like help get the calluses and stuff <laughs> off my feet. But I realized after the first time that I did it that I was like, that was a terrible mistake. I should just yep. leave these calluses on my feet because I'm going to need them all summer in order to make it through this. Because then I just went through the pain process again instead of just letting my body tell me, like, you're going to need these on your feet. So let, let's just leave them there. Yes. Um, did you do anything differently after that first summer to try to prepare yourself for each summer thereafter? Um. After the first summer, not really. Like, I would occasionally <laughs> run. I just didn't know how to exercise. I didn't have any guidance when it came to that. I didn't have any, like, role models to look to for my fitness journey. So I just would sit at home, editing videos, making music, eating hot Cheetos, like I knew how to do so well. <laughs> and uh, so I went into the second year, and toughed it out i think after that i started doing like insanity i discovered insanity and heck yeah you know i wasn't very good at it but i did it <laughs> i did it well i'm sure that prepared you especially from a um, muscle development standpoint um now there's the beautiful invention of marching health which elliot Cleveland yeah. has uh, mm -hmm. started actually elliot messaged mike and i well he messaged to me about Mike and I, to, we're trying to get together, do a podcast with him at some point. Um, but just ways to prepare yourself in a more efficient manner, I guess, for the grueling season that is a, a DCI tour. I know looking back on it, and Mike and I have talked about this several times, is that I would have ran way less. I still would have run some, but just I would have trained and built up my muscle strength in my lower body and my core significantly more body squats lunges stretching mm -hmm. core work calf raises just all that to prepare myself for uh even i wouldn't even say just drum corps but high school band yeah <laughs> like, i just didn't know yeah i wished i'd been doing that the entire time i've thought so many times that man i would have been so much better of a marcher and just like it would have allowed me to play better if i had more control over my core if my like yep. legs were more like developed from a muscle standpoint and and like i actually did insanity uh, so it's a two-month program and it's like an interval training workout and i thought that mm -hmm. prepared me cardiovascularly really well like i really didn't run much at all getting ready for 2012 and i did all i did was like five of the eight weeks of insanity before i think i ended it with a month left before move-ins and then just did some light running before that and that helped a lot, just all the jumping and the, it gives you a lot of ankle stability and, and that yeah. kind of stuff worked out really, really well. But it also kind of helped that our drill was pretty easy and, but I, I didn't feel like I was dying at any point in that summer. Whereas my first summer, I ran a lot more, didn't really do a lot of muscle development or stretching or balance work or anything like that. And if I had, because that drill was, ex was way harder. That drill at Blue Stars that I had was probably 10 times harder than the, the drill at Blue Coats. 
And I, if I had done that <laughs> for that, I would have. I had I had a very similar experience at Blue Stars, and I'm not gonna probably won't recount the whole thing here, but I thought I was gonna have to go home a couple weeks into move-ins because of possible stress fractures in my feet. And mm. into the story, that story, long story short, wasn't the case. But if I had done a lot more prep work. Uh, in terms of stability, muscle development, I think it would have been a much more enjoyable experience until I'd fully went through that fire. That is the first, like the first half of the first summer, I'd say. Yeah, that first half, that's the toughest. That's the part that everybody forgets about by the time it gets to finals. And so you're all jaded, not jaded, but you're all like rose tinted glasses about summer because finals is so awesome. Then you get three days into move-ins the next season and you're like, why the hell am I doing this again? (laughs) (laughs) That's like going to a concert and remembering the last song that the band played, but not the first song. (laughs) You're like Mm -hmm. on this high where you are comfortable and tan and in shape and that's all you remember. And you're like, oh, I don't remember all all the sunscreen I had to apply before I could get my my tan layer on and stop getting burnt by the the sun. Oh, yeah. Don't remember the tears I shed. <laughs> yeah. You forget it all. Finals <laughs> week right. is a magical week. It's a magical time for a member. It is. <laughs> so, after, I guess, you're age out, aged out, you are aged out, like the rest of us, uh, well, oh, like yeah. Mike and I, <laughs> and like everybody becomes, you, did you start teaching after that? I did. Taught at Vanguard Cadets in 2013. SCVC. What a what? SCVC. So you're going against like your home team. Well, kind of. Well, your original home team. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, in a way. In a way. But I was teaching with like some of my best friends. So that that was exciting. And it was also nice to expand my network. You know, get to know new people outside of the blue devils organization yeah for sure get that network getting going yeah you know learn how other people rehearse my wife's walking through here i was looking for the bookshop it's all good (laughs) i'm not editing this out by the way (laughs) i'm just leaving her in there she's looking on the bookshelf like i don't know what for but it's all right But so yeah, you get a new experience on the other side of things, which is which presents its own challenges, probably more mental than physical. Uh, if I can speak personally on my teaching experience, but so you teach there. Um, how long were you with SCVC? I was with them for a season, and then Roger reached out to me um, to teach at Bluecoats the following season for the tilt year. Going back to the Blue Bangers, great year. Uh, get to teach somebody you march with. How was that? That was interesting. That was interesting. Ruel was still there. Yeah, it it was interesting. Like as I look back on it now, I would probably have done things a little differently. You know, you gain experience oh, through teaching. Sure. Um, but it wasn't ever really an issue there was never a problem that i had teaching a quad line that had somebody i marched with in it if anything there was like this kind of mutual trust like i did the thing with you you did the thing with me we know we're on the same page you know we know what we're fighting for here 
Yeah, we're um, just trying to help each other max this out as much as we can. Yeah. It probably yeah, made it easier, they, too. They just... did. They maxed it out. That was a great show mm-hmm. and a great drum line. I could see how potentially teaching someone you marched with could cause slight issues, but I could also see it as like a, a great helper because you know that your teaching philosophy may have changed a little bit, but because you had just marched with Ruel two seasons before, your all's idea of how to play and like the approach to the drums was probably already pretty similar. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. So therefore you had somebody in the middle of the line that could basically be a second set of hands to help explain things potentially. Yeah. I feel like everyone in that quad line was super smart. Like everyone in that quad line had really good brains and that, that worked out well when we had to learn things. There was a lot of learning that year. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure for you as a staff member, just as much as the members, just because like the yeah. first year teaching with a group, I would imagine like were you were a lot of the people that taught us in twelve still around on the staff, or was there had there been a lot of turnover? Um, well, I was there, and then T Gas was there, Joe Woody was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he the was infamous there. vocal at this point. <laughs> so I also felt like I was teaching with my friends there, which is cool. Ryan Ryan Lamb was still there. I think Jared was still there. Mm, love Ryan. Love Jared. Mm-hmm. Jared, come back from Australia. Come back, <laughs> bro. We miss you. We do. <laughs> um, so you taught there. How many years were you at Bluecoats? Uh, five, five or six. Oh, dang. Yeah, he taught five there for a while. Nice. What was your What was your last season? Are you you were still there before the season got canceled, right? No, my last season was 2019. Oh, okay. The so, Blue Coats. Uh, <laughs> the Blue Coats. <laughs> the Blue Coats. And then I started working in physical therapy. So I didn't know what my availability was going to be. So I just had to like commit to a year in physical therapy, like actually do it all the way through, and then figure out how to balance music into it. Sure. So that is like. A killer segue. Perfect. Absolutely um, perfect. <laughs> yeah, perfect segue. Happened very naturally. So obviously, you just talked about you are getting into this physical therapy and trying to navigate, I guess, just post-band and post-drum core life, but also still integrate your passion into what you're doing with that as far mm-hmm. as drumming goes. So kind of take us through what you have going on now. I know you've posted some videos, um, which we'll probably link in our, our video when we post it later for anybody to check out, but which have blown my mind. I watched this and actually I've had some people send it to me like, dude, check this out. I'm like, I know who that guy is. <laughs> and yeah, that's crazy. So what have you kind of gotten into now and what do you, uh, what do you hope to, and what are your goals and missions with that? Well, I started jumping rope. And when I was going back to school in 2017, and like I was going to school, I was directing a percussion ensemble, I was writing the show and trying to like coordinate rehearsals. So my schedule was packed every day. I was like, I need something that's going to get the workout done quickly and effectively. So I got some like, really cheap wire jump rope and i went outside it got me sweating 
real quick. And so I like that. I can just go out for 10 minutes, come back in. I'm sweating. I'm awake. Like, I'm ready for the exam I'm about to take. And, like, it just had a way of charging up my body, charging up my mind that would rev me up for whatever it is I had to go to. So then I would bring it on tour. So before rehearsals, I would go jump for like 10, 15 minutes, and then I'd go to rehearsal. So I'd be sweating. I'm awake. You know, I'm right there. They're waking up, you know, the first reps of the day, and I'm already like drenched. (laughs) And, And I started learning tricks with it. And every every trick is like a different, it's just a different movement pattern. It's a different way to take up time and space, much like rudiments when you're drumming. You know, paradiddles serve a different purpose than flam drags do. They sound different, they feel different, they take up time differently. And all these different drum bro tricks do the same thing. Some of them happen in patterns of three, some of them happen in patterns of two, some are patterns of four or five. And so I'm starting to string together ways to like write. I feel like I'm I'm writing drumline, but it's for a jump rope <laughs> using like the same principles, the same concepts, and I'm putting drum tracks to it. <laughs> and it's just it's it's exciting because it gets me out there sweating, and it, it. I never post the first rep. Like everything I post is like the fifteenth to thirtieth rep of something. But of just like have, having something fun that get, gets gets me working. It's also combining like exercise and music together. It's just it's so enjoyable. I could go out there and spend like two, three hours doing so, it. To kind of I guess give people a visualization of what we're talking about too, which we'll we'll link the video so people can watch it as well. Um, is it through the organization, the Forte? Yeah. That, okay. And what's it called again? Forte. Uh, Forte. Forte Athletics. Forte Athletics. The first one I saw, I think, was you doing a. It was like a metric modulation, going from like eighth notes to triplets, eighth notes to sixteenth notes, and like even yeah. eighth notes to like ninelets or something. Yeah. And when we got to the ninelets, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And then I saw another one too of you doing. Uh, was it like a a four two one grid or yeah, something? A triplet grid. He literally yeah, played triplet the grid. triplet grid with a jump Moving rope. Moving the in like <laughs> what you were talking about the patterns in like the tricks. I guess like you're doing like stuff on right side, left side, center. This stuff yeah. like mixing crossing arms and that sort of stuff versus like the check it the check it the check it the check it the uh-huh. check it the check. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Which you're combining obviously the knowledge that you have from music and a rudimental background into this athletic workout which is really cool and i think a lot of people probably try to do that in some aspect with interval training like what mike was talking about earlier as far as like listening to fast-paced song and then a slow-paced song and then another fast-paced song to like kind of trick their body and their their heart rate into doing different things mm-hmm. um what kind of clicked for you where was it just like you were working out and jumping rope to music and then you started to kind of like naturally like align with like the bpms and then beat or were you like messing around with something else you're like oh i think i can put this to some music yeah well once quarantine hit i was at home for a while and then one day i just decided to learn how to shuffle like basic foot shuffling patterns and i was like oh i could 
I could put this to a jump rope. And so then I did a cover of a song where I started with shuffling and then I transitioned to jump rope and then I combined the shuffling with the jump rope. And like, I just liked watching it. <laughs> I watched it like a, like a hundred times in a row. And no, it, dude, it's, it it's felt, entertaining. It's super it entertaining. Like You're like, so dang, I'm, I'm good at that. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I started, um, jumping to just random songs, little like 30 second clips. And I would post that on my Facebook and people liked it. People were intrigued by it. And it seemed to have a lot of support from the community. And then I could see like some tricks just don't line up with the music. You know, like what you see, what you see is not what you hear, but there's okay. a different way to do, there's a different way to do it. There's a different trick I could do. And so I'll go out there, re-record it, put it with the music. And just like the eyes light up, like, whoa, that looks like what I'm hearing. Yeah, it makes it more aesthetically pleasing for sure. That's, I mean, and there's no vanity in that. There's, it's like, hey, this is good doing this. I mean, I feel like anybody who's marched has gone back and watched videos, lot videos of themselves. I mean, like, yeah, we, we were pretty good. All right, we did that pretty well. Anyone that tells you <laughs> they haven't that's, done that's lying. We all yeah, do yeah. it. I mean, everybody's got oh, a little yeah. bit of pride in them. It's all right. For sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Bad thing. So the Forte Athletics, is this like something that you've, that has started geared towards this specifically, or is it, do they offer like other stuff and you've just kind of latched this idea onto it or what's the, uh, what's the background there? Yeah. So this one day I was, I've been working my handstands for a few years and then one day it kind of clicked in my head and I held it for like. 20 seconds whereas i was normally doing like five to eight seconds something clicked and then i came out of the handstand you know feeling like this bliss this moment of bliss and then i saw my jump rope on the ground and i just remember saying out loud like hmm that's a good idea i could do that <laughs> i could do that <laughs> and so now this whole thing has become a mission to get people moving because like quarantine has significantly impacted the way our music community lives and thrives. And we're so used to having our tribes. We're so used to being in our community, sweating, working hard. And now many of us don't have that. And gyms are closed. So many people are not going to the gym and many people are not moving. And if you think about water, like when water is flowing, like in a river and it's moving and rushing, it looks so healthy. But when water stagnates, it starts to turn green. It starts mm -hmm. to look like it's, it looks like it's rotting. And the human body is mostly made out of water. And so I feel like when we stop moving, our spirit starts to turn green and rot. And I feel like a jump rope is the perfect tool for performing arts community because it's visually aesthetic it's a physical challenge it's going to get your circulatory system going it gets your your cardiovascular system going warms your muscles up revs up your nervous system you know physically it is working you mentally you must problem solve you must focus on the task at hand. And the split second you lose focus, you get whacked with the rope. And it 
sucks. <laughs> it's a painful <laughs> reminder to, to pay attention to what you're doing. So mentally, you're not thinking about what's happening later. You're not thinking about what happened in the past. You're just so in the present moment, jumping over this rope over and over again. And spiritually, I feel like it's a good challenge because you go out there, you try and learn something, you can't do it. You're trying your hardest. You go out the next day, you try your hardest, you can't do it. And then one day you go out there and you can do this thing that you couldn't do. And that feels so rewarding to the spirit. And those three things sound like what, it sound like the experience we get in the marching arts community when we're on the field. You get the physical challenge. You have to focus on what you're doing. You get that spiritual reward of delayed gratification. So this is just, it's a, it's a mission. I just want to get people moving. And something is telling me that I need to do this. And it's going to become whatever it's meant to become. But I feel a strong sense of purpose. And I feel like if anyone knows how to do this, it's me. So take action. Let's move. Heck and yeah, dude. Well, dude, that you can tell you're passionate because I already want to buy I a love jump it. rope. Yeah, I, I was going to say, rope. at least want a good jump rope. <laughs> I need not some cardio on, not, on my life. Not only on top of like watching you do it and like how cool it looks, or like it makes me think back to of like reflecting on like how badass it looks too and like movies that I've seen. Like anybody who's jump roping, you're just like, this dude's about to get it. Like if it's like <laughs> Rock or like Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. in the movie Southpaw or, or whatever. You're like, yeah. this dude's about to get jacked or something. <laughs> yeah, you, you get in your flow. Yeah, like man. That. It's um, so seamless. And that makes sense, too, with what you were talking about. Jumping rope before, like, rehearsals and stuff. Just, like, getting your mind engaged. Because there were definitely times when, like, I was in rehearsal, to relate this back to, to the marching arts, where a staff member was like, you just got to you gotta get out of your bag. Which is what they referred to as, like, mm -hmm. you're mentally still in your sleeping bag. Like, yeah, we realize that you woke up and like we've been doing this for eighty days in a row now, but like you gotta you mentally gotta get out of your bag. Like you, you're just not there yet. So doing something like that to just force yourself to engage not only your body, but your to just get mentally woken up. Um shout out and kudos here to to my wife, but she gets up at five thirty and works out before she goes to work every morning, which Woo. is not my which is not my speed and not when I go work out, but she just she just always says like I feel like I'm just ready for the day after it. <laughs> so I've tried I've tried the morning workouts. They're never as good for me. They're never as good nah. as when I like lift weights at like seven PM or three PM or whenever I get to go that day. Well she's wild, man. She'll wake up at like five or five thirty and make breakfast and then eat and then work out. <laughs> like eat something like eggs or something like that. Not That's to discipline get into like new yeah, dude, she kills it. But, but yeah, this makes me want to just go buy a jump rope because, like you're talking about, I reference it to the first time that I figured out how to actually play like a cheese. Like the mm. the concept of playing mm -hmm. a flan and it did all at the same time to me when I was like sophomore Evan. I was just like, this is stupid. It doesn't make sense. I can't do this. <laughs> I'm terrible. Like, I don't I don't know how anyone can do this. They're probably lying. They're probably just lying. They're not yeah, actually they're lying. Just lying. They're just playing. <laughs> There's no flans in there. Um, <laughs> But then one day you're just like playing it slow, like check it, check it. Then you're like gradually speed it up, and you gradually speed it up. And you're like, 
oh, and then there's just light bulb clicks. That's hearing you talk about that where you're like, you can't do it and you suck and you can't do it. And then one day you just have this breakthrough where you broke through the ceiling and you're like, I can do this. Um, yeah. And that feeling of accomplishment when you've pushed through something that, that took you uh, a while to accomplish is just such a euphoric experience. It's what's the saying? Um, if it was easy, everyone would do it, I guess is the kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely works on patience and persistence. If you pick up the rope and you get on it, patience and persistence are required in order to excel. And that same thing goes for the marching arts world. Well, I love it. I I can't think of also, a better... No, go ahead. Go ahead, Evan. I was going to say, speaking of handstands, do you know Chris Gary? I don't. Oh, we got <laughs> to we, we give him his Instagram. Yeah, yeah his Instagram. he's like super big into handstands. He uh, he marched with me at RhythmX in 2010, uh, taught Spirit for a little while, taught GMU. He owns a gym in Washington, D.C., but he's just real big. Like I think he posts handstands daily and yeah, like figuring out how to like do into like, it. handstand push-ups and stuff. Just so Yeah, send me that handle. Yep, we will definitely <laughs> do that. Man, I can't. After that spiel, I just need to go work out. I need to go. <laughs> I need to go move my body. I think. I think that is the perfect, perfect way to end this. Unless either of you have anything yeah. else you want to talk about. Bueller, that sounds good to me. Crickets. No. About the, about the <laughs> find Daniel on uh, on Instagram. Yeah. Right. Follow him. Are you on the IG? I'm on the IG. My personal uh, handle is drec eight one five. Found it. And then you have one for the Forte Athletics as well? Yeah, it'll be forte.athletics. Boom. We'll, uh, we'll link those too when we, uh, when we post yeah. it. We will definitely do that. And everybody listening, go follow it because his content is inspiring and just super cool. Uh-huh. Drumming plus jump roping to music. It's just it's hard, to, it's hard to imagine what it is. You just got to go check it out. So <laughs> go follow his page. Go check it out. It's worth it. It's really cool stuff. Um, Thanks, Mike. Yeah. So let's close this out then. I'll reiterate my spiel from earlier. Subscribe on YouTube, like the video, drop a comment, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, follow on Facebook and Instagram. It's all aged out podcast. Uh, hit us up on patreon.com slash aged out podcast. If you want to give us any kind of financial support and Daniel, it's been great talking to you. We need to do this more often. You're one of my favorite people from that drum line in 2012. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Jonas. I, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for taking the time to chat. Always love talking about drums and just this activity yeah, with other passionate people. Yep, it's a good time. So we'll see everybody next time. Peace. Bye.